All right, welcome to the catch up episode eleven. What is goody, guys? Hey. Uh, welcome to Food Beast Catch Up. Um, it's our weekly show where we highlight the craziest things in food this week that we're passionate about and that the internet finds passionate. Right? I, I feel some type of way about these topics today. Okay. Same, same, same. So I'm joined. My name is Eli, and I'm joined with uh, Reach, our managing editor, and Blah. Costa, who is my uh, most favorite and least favorite food beast writer. <laughs> Um, and so today we're, uh, no comments. we got some, we got some dope topics today. Uh, the first one, Costa, you want to start us off? What, what should we know about? Yeah. So this is actually some cool thing, uh, reach found on Facebook. It's been pretty heavily talked about and it is wild. It's scary. So th the idea is that there's these old ancient, essentially diseases, bacteria, viruses and stuff that have been trapped in ice and frost and all this stuff for years and dead animals. So the, the, the animals that died many moons ago had diseases and but they got frozen and now during thawing. the ice age now and now they're, they're thawing now they're thawing and now those diseases are getting everywhere here's to the food supply man yeah here's fun. something that's scary basically around 75 years ago okay there's this reindeer infected with anthrax that died and its frozen carcass got well, its carcass got frozen, and then more ice came on top of it. So it got thawed, mm -hmm. and then once it thawed, the the disease from that animal went into the food supply and the soil and in the ground, and it started affecting people. Like, yo, this is on some type Michael Crichton type plot shit. Like, no. the end of the world. Twenty like, people got sick from this, and a kid died. Yeah. Wait, how, how did they? How did they get sick? Like, what did they do? Anthrax. So it seeped already into into the ground, into, into the, the ground, soil. into the water. So just drinking the water and taking in the food from where they lived, that food and that water is now contaminated with anthrax from this reindeer carcass that thawed out. Holy cow! I mean, are there any larger ramifications to this? Like, are, could is there somewhere else where there's a ton of animals just sitting and now they're gonna thaw into our water and food supply? Well, I mean, picture it like in that whole region alone, there's just large masses of ice and permafrost and all that and global warming is not helping that mm -hmm. so imagine if all that melts like we are in for some 20th century fox blockbuster yeah. movie end of the world type apocalyptic and shit to like locate this this is happening in like northern russia right now this is like where they isolated See, this. russia at it again russia stays busy with yeah. this stuff russia so but stays this isn't like just the only area that could this could happen in anywhere where you can see this freezing happening so Basically, the entire northern half of the world, essentially, that can where this can all happen. This it, is where that's yeah. gonna happen. Is right? Hollywood listening? Like, this could be your next big zombie flick. Yeah, like you could just have you could set this in Alaska, and boom, everyone's gonna panic. Who's the dude that directs Sixth Sense? Uh, M Night Shyamalan. This sounds yeah. like the next M Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. Like it yeah, sounds like totally. a better plot for that one where the wind was killing people, but yeah. this one could be like the water supply killing people. And plot twist: it's uh, Ronald McDonald at the head of it because he wants McDonald to be the top uh, food source in oh. the world. Yeah. Oh, super side tangent! You guys see that movie, The Founder? No. Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, so good. Yeah, I so good with Michael Keaton, where it basically it's on. like a the founding on. the founding story of McDonald's, and you imagine it's these like two brothers who like founded McDonald's is what you think. Plot twist is their first franchisee, the first time McDonald's didn't want the McDonald's brothers or these two brothers. Yeah, uh, they didn't want to grow McDonald's. They wanted it to be this like really dope, speedy service. They basically 
created fast food. And then Michael Keaton shows up and says, no, you got to franchise this. You got to franchise this. And they had like tried, they had like experimented before the McDonald's brothers. They had experimented before and trying to open up other locations, but they were so about, this is me purely learning from this, this movie. Uh, they, they were so concerned about quality control that they were afraid of opening other locations and they opened one and it didn't work, but they had one prototype location with the golden arches Mm -hmm. and that's where it all started. And that one was just kind of sitting vacant for a while. And in the movie, Michael Keaton sees that and his eyes light up. He's this traveling salesman in the beginning of the movie, kind of on the brink, like not really moving a lot of units. He's like moving, uh, restaurant to restaurant trying to hawk this like new milkshake machine yeah and that's how he meets the mcdonald's brothers they actually put in an order for like eight milkshake machines and he's spending his whole like month (laughs) trying to sell one and so he hits pay dirt with these brothers exactly but it's crazy because they essentially get boxed out the two brothers get boxed out of their own concept and it's Michael Keaton, so this dude's baller. Like, this is a great... Yeah. The, the acting in this is incredible. Yeah, this dude just basically plays with them and, you know, builds this whole empire of McDonald's franchises. So, see? This is where the M. Night Shyamalan plot twist is. Because it'll be the sequel to The Founder. Oh. But they're the ones... They want to be. They want fast food supremacy, so they start melting the permafrost in Russia. That would be the M. Night twist. Well, that would be the M. Night twist. The real M. Night twist, though, is that... It's McDonald's and Burger King and actually all of the big companies. Anybody who does factory farming and all this other big stuff. Because you're talking about this, you're talking about climate change. Yeah, and then that's at the point where I get up out of my seat in the theater and throw popcorn at the screen. I'll be like, <laughs> God, I just got preached at. I just got preached at is what would happen in the theater. Yeah. All right, what's the next story? Well, tying into that, climate change being a huge concern with this and being a huge concern of our food supply... I think we just had probably one of the most important speeches of climate change. How important? How important? How important, Costa? I'd say it's extremely important. This is someone at a major, I'm talking like major political stage, finally talking about this and saying, look, food policy has to be a number one issue. Who? President, or I should say now former President, Barack Obama. Okay, so President Barack Obama got on a stage and said what? All right. He went to the Seeds and Chips Conference in Milan, Italy. You Only you would know about a Seeds and Chips Conference. Yeah, it's a food and tech and super nerdy. Totally my thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Walk us through it. Walk us through it anyway, real quick, Costa. This is, this is, to me, like some of the number one quotes that he had from this. Yep. Costa's okay. getting moist On already. climate change and food systems. <laughs> Here we go. This is, this is all my hype. For all the challenges that we face, this is the one that will define the contours of this century. More dramatically, perhaps, than any other. No nation will be immune from the impacts of climate change. Am I listening to the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights right now? He's changing the Bill of Rights in one fell swoop. And he's not even the president anymore. That's how Mm -hmm. powerful it is. Okay. So what he wants to do is he wants a sustainable food future. If you think about it, by 2050, all of these companies are working towards the 2050 deadline of we're not going to be able to maintain our food supply because we're going to use up all of our... Uh, land we're going to use up all of our water so 2050 too high 2050 is d-day for us 2050 is kind of like this benchmark d-day that all these food companies all these food activists are looking at as the deadline of we're all screwed that's all good i'll be like drinking insure by that age so it's it's a (laughs) half-life though so by 2050 scientists have done math that that's when our food will become completely unsustainable if we keep going if we keep going going the direction of factory farming 
deforestation, all of these other this things. This is what happened in Interstellar. Y'all yeah. remember that? This is like why we're looking at things like we're going all Martian now and growing and want to grow potatoes on Mars. Because we've given up on this shit. We've given up on our planet. <laughs> yeah, right. Basically. Like, is that what's going on? That's 20, why we're yeah, looking we'll at technology. You remember, like, shoot, like eight weeks ago, we brought in Evan Marks, we brought in Steve Ramucci from Uproxx, mm-hmm. and we just had this huge discussion of food and tech, and you know, going back to 1950s ag or going to tech and Everyone's growing chicken parts. Yeah, out of lab, out of petri dishes. Right. Yeah, I remember the discussion. So that was our that during that discussion though, we were trying to figure out if we're in a good place in humanity or a bad place in humanity because we were talking about uh science has broken through and we now have a chicken uh a chicken protein. It's a it, the actual chicken has been completely recreated. Yep. And the key thing here is we've all messed ourselves and messed our system up to the point where now we're resorting before, yes. to the tech solutions. Like the lab-grown meat and the Impossible Burger and all of this other stuff. And so during that discussion, uh, Evan Marks from the Ecology Lab, he said, we're not fucked. He said, we still have everything in our ability to continue to live off the fat of the land if we start treating the fat of the land uh, in, with, with, with a level of respect and understanding. Like, yeah, man, we still have some things left we can do. We can do some crop rotation. We can get, we can get more out of the land we use as opposed to just like always resorting to tech. Always resorting to, like, let's create a chicken out of thin air. So he's talking about more on the ecological level. Yeah. Right. So it's a combination of both that's going to do it. But as, you know, you know, I agree with Evan that we're not totally screwed yet. But as President Obama just said, now is the time for us to act. The path to a sustainable food future is going to require unleashing the creative power of our best scientists, our top engineers, our top entrepreneurs, backed by both public and private investment, to deploy new innovations and climate smart agriculture. That's this huge thing right there. So we're talking like better seeds, better storage, crops that can grow with less water and in harsher climates, mobile tech that puts ag data into the hands of farmers so they know where to plant, uh, what to plant, how to plant, and for the most important thing, how it's gonna sell. Oh, more fire, more life. And that's gonna you know help us assure that in producing the food we need to feed the billions of people on this planet, mm-hmm. We're not turning this planet to shit in the process. I get it. So I can appreciate. I can appreciate Barack. I feel like we're on first name now that he's not president. Yeah, anymore. Barry O. Yeah, Barry O. I mean, I appreciate him at least it, ma- making this making this speech, this impassioned speech. And so even if we're just talk ability for him to keep up the disc- the discourse on climate change after his initial presidency, uh, I think that's a good thing overall. Yeah. And I and think so- with him, he made like huge landmark changes in food and ag policy while he's in the white house but how much power does he have now the power he has now is encouraging all of us to do our parts whether it's the tech entrepreneurs at seed and chips coming up with these new fancy things like the internet of food and you know ag drones and all these other crazy things the shazam of food the shazam of food and all this other stuff it's, you know, him inspiring them, inspiring us to talk about So this. he's like a tastemaker now. Like, he's on our level. Yeah, he's yeah, now he's on like influencer level. He's no longer the CEO of the influencer company. He's now the influencer on Instagram with a lot of followers that gets to kind of remark on what he wants from the outside and kind of propel his followers to try to do something. Exactly. Like what we're doing. Kinda Basically, like, yeah. Kind of. So <laughs> it's his job to, t- to get everyone to talk about it. And now we're talking about it. And hopefully everyone who listens to this... Now begins talking about it too. How meta. So guys, go out there and do something about it. Help there us. There you go. Help us help you help everyone else. 
Thank you, Barack Obama. So that we don't die from Russian diseases from, from the ice. Yeah. yeah. And just remember that if you're going to make a food product, if you're going to do any of this cool innovation stuff, has to taste good to be successful. Speaking of which, you know who can make stuff taste good? Who? Guy Fieri. Guy, I love that you segued into hey. what I wanted to talk <laughs> about <laughs> most. Guy Fieri. But that's Smooth not how you really like feel. Crisco. All right, so we're going to talk. Okay, so here's, here's why I want to talk about Guy Fieri. Um, I recently just came back from a, a fun trip in Cancun. And on the way back, I hit the airport and I had a couple hours to kill. And there I see, I see two huge lines in the airport, two restaurants, Johnny Rockets, Fat Line. Okay. Fat Line, mm-hmm. right? The All-American Burger, yeah. Johnny, Rockets. Johnny Rockets. Yeah, Johnny Rockets is great. Always there for you. Um, I feel like wherever you go in the world, you see a Johnny Rockets, you can expect it. Um, and then right next to it was a Guy Fieri. There was a, a, let me look up the name of the place. Is it Guy Fieri? Was it Johnny Garlics? No, 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 no. It was a Guy Fieri. It was a Mexican joint, but I'm going to give you the name of it real quick. Real quick. Fuck me. <laughs> scroll. Fuck me. scroll. What's the name? What's the name of this <laughs> damn place? Um, it was a Mexican inspired restaurant by, by Guy, Guy Fieri, Fieri, right? Yeah. It's a Guy Fieri kitchen. Um, hold up. I got it pulled up. I got notes. I got notes. Uh, shit. I don't got notes. El Flavor Town. El Flavor. <laughs> yeah, it is not. Well, you, wh- while I look this shit up, tell me what, what, how you guys feel about Guy Fieri. Guts. Um, I'm, yo, I think Guy Fieri is so entertaining, and he is, he is the mayor of Flavor Town mm. that we all pass through. I'm going to be stay. real. I'm going to be real with Guy Fieri for a minute here. Please be real. All right. Just I a minute. Up, so my huge passion for food actually comes from watching the Food Network growing up. Actually growing up, I wasn't allowed to watch Disney Channel as a kid. My what? Parents, yeah, I watched the Food Hold Network. Hold up, pause, pause. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get Johnny Tsunami? You no, didn't get I didn't get anything. Break? I didn't even know what Death Star Raven was until I was like 17 Please explain. Was Disney is not so flagrantly My dangerous. My parents felt some type of way about Disney. That's all I'm going to say. It could come off as cultish. Like if his parents were just like, uh, I'd rather our son not be in that cult. But yeah. My parents felt some type of way. But So I grew up watching things like Iron Chef and chopped and good eats and one of my favorite shows as a kid it's triple d triple i can imagine d. i can imagine young costa as like a four-year-old like rooting someone on on chop like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right go <laughs> okay it's called guy fieri fuck my phone fell asleep <laughs> i knew what it was all right it's guy's kitchen and bar but it's in can it's in cancun right okay. so oh so it sounds like his vegas one yeah so they, they all follow what i think is most impressive is they all follow this similar aesthetic it's like ed hardy designed all of his restaurants like there's like hearts on the wall that have been designed with daggers running through um it's all it's all very american i i i venture to say guy fieri is the new america guy fieri is the new american restaurant that we feel comfortable eating at wherever we are in the world. I've never been to a Guy Fieri restaurant, Let me, so put me on. I've Let been. Which, I, where I have I you actually, been, Costa? I went to Tex Wasabi in Santa Rosa. So that that's, sounds racist as shit. I'll give you that much. It's his like southern and Asian kind of inspired fusion kind of place. So okay. you'll get your southern classics like your oyster po' boy out of Louisiana. Love it. You'll get your barbecue, and you'll get you'll get some pretty fire sushi there. I might add too. Pretty fire sushi at Guy Fieri. Okay, so here's what's dope. Probably but literally fire because it's Guy Fieri. It's all, some of it's literally fire. But some of the weird stuff, like he's got the fusion things, like that's where he invented his so-called gringo sushi, where he's got like, you know, chicken teriyaki rolls and some other Ooh. weird stuff like that. 
But, Me- you know, just going off that, I feel like Guy Fieri, sure, it's like the American restaurant because it's got the fusion and the flair and all the stuff we love. But at some point, God. it's also pretty basic. It's not basic, Costa. It's American. It's, it's America's how- basic. I'm not going to lie. We're basic and we're pretty basic. But here's, here's why his stuff is so successful outside of America as well. Like inside and outside of America. Because it's Guy fucking Fieri. Here's the thing. You look at him and you want to make fun of him and he got made fun of for years. But now he's someone that you look at and you just feel comfortable. When I was in Cancun, I couldn't speak. A li- like I knew a few words of Spanish, but for the most part, I feel like I was dropped in to a foreign country, which I was, and I was, it was hard to communicate. But I hit the Guy Fieri place and I was like, fuck. There's Aww. screens on the walls and they're displaying his Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives episode. And I felt immediately back home. The same way when you're like at Hard Rock hotels or their restaurants. You know, you, you just feel some type of way. You feel like, oh, yeah, I'm back home. There's Elvis That's Presley America. on the wall. Basic. I'm, I'm back in America. It's not ba- – here, and here's, here's where I got to give Guy Fieri some crazy credit is he has honed in his American branding so damn well. Yo, his branding is so strong. Carnival Cruise licenses his name and guy. It's called Guy's Burger Joint. This is the first uh, interaction I ever had with a Guy Fieri restaurant. It was on a Carnival Cruise. They have a Guy's Burger Joint, is what it's called, and it's on every Carnival, a, a majority of Carnival Cruise lines right now. Yeah, and it's almost always open. It's an all-you-can-eat burger joint, and it's one of the best burgers I've ever had. That sounds so American and so basic. You, What's so basic you about good food? It, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes the most basic of food could be the most amazing. So what he does is, is he has like these fresh pressed patties that he like crushes on on the flat iron. And there you go. It's just it just I was like, oh, I, I want eight patties on this. Is that cool? Everyone there is trained to just please you American style, like to dome you out food porn style like and that's what they're gonna do and that's great and i like that and it's basic you nah, are annoying costa <laughs> uh, guy, let me defend myself here let guy, me tell you why i think this is basic you can tell me why you think it's basic all day and i'm just gonna tell you that the basicness is what makes it so grand who's owning basic like guy fieri right now hey man sometimes not, i don't want microgreens in my burger hey yeah. i ain't gonna lie with that i ain't gonna lie with that but i'm telling you things like hand pressing and the fresh ground and all these dope flavors and all these things we come to expect in a Guy Fieri thing is literally what we come to expect out of like every basic restaurant that we go to. No, no, no. We want all these different things. No, no, no. We demand the hand pressed. But we demand the fresh. What's crazy is he doesn't, he doesn't, but there's nothing on the Guy Fieri menu. He doesn't, he doesn't promote how fresh it is or how authentic it is to whatever place. He just promotes it as Guy fucking fieri there are flames on everything yo he has he knows he wears some ed hardy shit he has it on the walls like trash can nachos is something that's extremely famous and it's on his menu he has at the cancun bar this guy created an outdoor patio and he just calls it like the happy hour lounge or some shit where it's the only place in the cancun airport you'd expect everything in the cancun airport to kind of have an outdoor area. He's the only one that owns that within. Like, there's yeah. something about everything Guy Fieri does, and it's so American and it's brilliant. So here's my take on that. The reason why it's so American and all this stuff is he literally spent years traveling the country, 
visiting all of these American restaurants. How big? That's not basic. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not getting. I'm getting to reach. I'm getting to reach. What I'm saying about that is because he's gone and he's seen. This is what the American culture is. This is what, you know, the food is that people love. And yeah, it's all these you know basic things. Guy Fieri is basic because he takes that food and then you know puts it under his brand. But it's still how is basic that basic? He's he's. I'll tell you no. I'll t- I'll tell you what's basic. Basic is Uggs. Basic is taking a picture of your Starbucks cup. Basic is going to Wango Tango. <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> but basic is also demanding all of these things that you know the foodie of nowadays wants to see in every single place they go to. They're like, you know, is this hand pressed? Where does this beef come from? Are there avocados on it? You know, is it cheesy? Can I make it look great on Instagram? So what are you saying? I don't understand what you're saying. Guy Fieri it, it doesn't promote any of that. And But w- if we're discussing that being basic and being foodie, he's not. He's not promoting it, but it's still basic food. That's my take. I don't know. Ain't nothing basic not about some bomb-ass nachos in a trash can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the least basic thing I've ever heard of. Like that, that you, It's the crazy. Fact, the fact that you co-sign eating out of a trash can is amazing. Like That's some Guy Fieri trash if I've ever heard it. And he owns it with every fiber of his being. And what I love about it is he's the true definition of an American success story. He signs up for a silly food network show where you could potentially become the next big food network star. It's literally called the next food network star. He (laughs) goes from a seemingly nobody, goes on this competition show, crushes it. And say five to ten years later becomes the most prominent Food Network chef on the entire network. And that network is humongous. It spans multiple channels, many different countries. He's, a, he's an international icon. And he's taken that leverage and made, and everyone knows he's from America. There's nothing not American about him from his flame t-shirts to the tattoos to his, like, Hair that I gotta assume he just keeps now for branding, where it's like this bleached blonde <laughs> tips, because it's actually na- a helmet by now. He just yeah. puts <laughs> no. he, he oh, just like puts it on top. But what's brilliant now is because we have this body of work. He has like ten plus years on TV, and correct me if I'm wrong, it might be longer than that. It's ten plus years, and all of his shows revolve around diners, comfort. The American comfort something there is no more comfortable setting in American cuisine than the diner and he spent 10 years on TV showing us that he is the essential guide for that so now he gets to translate that into restaurants around the world where we could feel comfortable about that you don't get Ruby's diner had to essentially they basically just hearken to the idea of a diner I think I think he has potential to do some crazier shit and and Ruby's Diner can't open up a Mexican joint of it. He's somehow found his Guy Fieri branding and been able to not just open up another diner, he can open up a Mexican trash diner. And you now you completely you get it. I agree with you on that. But would you call that, you know, place in the airport? Mhm. Would you call that a diner? I think it was more of like, you know, just thinking of it, it's like, you know, bar and kitchen. To me, that's more of a dive and 
yeah, Guy Fieri went around and perfected that the art of knowing what that is too. But I wouldn't call it a diner. Well, it's I not love a dive. It's it's not a dive, no. and I'll give you. I mean, it's an airport, so it, it's in a, the Cancun airport, so it's not going to be a dive. Like it's right next to a Johnny Rockets and then some other uh, flamboyant. Dive place. is basically synonymous with hole in the wall. Right, but I think there's a kitschiness and there's an understanding of his own brand to call it a kitchen and bar, but you're Guy Fieri. And it, uh, he has his own face emblazoned on the wall. You walk in, you have to walk through his merchandise of sweatbands that you could wipe your own greasy hair with and mugs that get heated up and then they're, they're black flames when it starts and then flames <laughs> come out. <laughs> and then he has, insta- you know how like people do tableside guacamole at yeah. a lot of uh, Mexican restaurants, sure. El Torito, they come yeah. and do that. That's basic. This guy, this guy, Guy Fieri, at this, at this location, they have a it look it's a guacamole stand that's on wheels. Unbasic. Like imagine an old school lemonade stand, right? Yeah. Where the person sits and then there's a there's a sign above them. It's a guacamole I forget what he called him, like a guacamole lotero or some shit like that, where he walks around and he creates fresh guacamole from you from a stand. It's on these like four wheels. It's actually awkward to move in between Is the it like tables. like a dim sum cart? It's imagine like a crazy dim sum cart <laughs> with like neon lights on it. And like it just moves around the restaurant. I'll show you guys. I'll put up a picture of it. It's so funny. Um, but it made me feel comfortable there. It made me feel like comfortable. And in, in, in the food there, like, yeah, there's a few Mexican things on the menu. But he has like picnic sandwiches that are just huge turkey BLTs. And he has like loaves of bread that have been cut out and are just stuffed with cheese and meats and stuff like that. So like it's just adjacent to mexican food but it's not that serious no, and i think that's that it's serious. so much fun and he has this brand now that can kind of translate across the world yeah um you know the thing is the, the funny thing is i like what you said it's not that serious like i think guy fieri is the human embodiment of an affliction shirt but no. at the same time like he owns it and he's creative about his branding and he's he really flourishes with how strong he stuck to his branding. So I think that yeah, I can respect. Guy Fieri has become like a national icon in which he can do that with his restaurants, much like, you know, Forrest Gump has, and you mm. have Bubba Gumps across the country, and even internationally now. You know, he's become that kind of an icon. I, I Yeah, I agree. But I, I think I, I want to venture to say that he transcends even the Bubba Gumps. He transcends. Well, I'd say I, he's bigger than it, that's for sure. Sure. I mean, footprint. (laughs) Savage. (laughs) Footprint alone, he's not bigger yet than a Bubba Gump. I mean, Bubba Gump has many, you know, I don't know how many locations, but they have more locations than Guy Fieri's current footprint. But maybe uh, with the Carnival Cruise contract that he has, he's going to grow that footprint crazy. But I venture to say that Guy Fieri has a stronger brand than your Wolfgang Pucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy because Wolfgang Puck is th- one of the strongest food brands out there sure. in, in terms of a chef-driven food brand. But I bet you, like, in a lineup of five people, like, your average five people cannot pick up, pick out who Wolfgang Puck is. Yeah, but your Wolfgang average Puck five is. people could pick out who Guy Fieri is. Right. And Bam. Think Guy Fieri, you know, away. when you're talking about brand image and all that, if you think about the Wolfgang Puck brand image, it's much more focused on the food than it is the culture. Sure, And sure. I think Guy Fieri's brand is much more focused on the culture, and that's why I can speak hey, he does to it for the a lot more people. He yeah. does it for the culture. And and I think the other chefs that are in the same, in the same sentence as Guy Fieri, 
People are going to hate that we put Guy Fieri in the same sentence as Wolfgang Puck and Bobby Flay um, and Gordon Ramsay, for example. But let's talk about it. Gordon Ramsay, love him, one of the biggest chefs on the planet. What is his culture? It's not like you go to his restaurants and get like for me, if Guy Fieri had a culture, you go to a restaurant and the waiter shit and like yell at you. That is a Guy Fieri culture. Yeah, I would the imagine. The Guy Fieri culture is kind of like the kicked back, you know, r- punk rock kind of style, you know, chill out, relaxed kind of joint. When you think of Bobby Flay, you know, he's serving food that you could argue has some taste similar because it's that Southwest kind of spin with that more Americana. But Bobby Flay is much more uptight. It's much more fancy. Talking to the mic, Costa. Yeah. You're talking about Gordon Ramsay. He's uptight with the British food. Sure. You know, his brand expands much more than that. But at his restaurant, you're just having some of the best British food you'll ever have in your life. I think people like those two. En- they like Gordon Ramsay enough to trust in his brand and go to his restaurant. Right. Yeah. Like, but, but I can't tell you if Guy Fieri, uh, or sorry, if uh, Gordon Ramsay opened up a pizza spot, you'd be like, Gordon Ramsay, a good enough chef. He could do the pizza spot pretty well. Like he's going to run the, a tight ship there. Same with Bobby Flay. Bobby Flay, I think the, the essence of culture he might have is that he uh, is a barbecue guy. Like he's a no. grill guy. You, you grill against Bobby Flay. Like that's a thing. But that's not enough. That's not a wide enough net to cast in your brand to do. Like if he's going to open up a pizza spot to make it Bobby Flay, he's going to be grilling pizzas. Now, the thing you know, that Guy Fieri gets right with it that these guys don't have is that Guy Fieri has a persona and a personality that has become a culture. Sure. You know, when you talk about the Bobby Flay personality, that's not something that you can translate into a culture that fits in a restaurant. When you talk about the Gordon Ramsay personality, that's not something that you can translate into a culture that fits into a restaurant. So wait, wait, well, there's well, a, there's what side of the fence are you playing now? Yeah, you, like, I feel like you strayed back you over. Swinging for well, Fieri now. My side of the fence is I'm a huge fan of Guy Fieri, just like you guys are. But I just think that there's something a little more basic and a little more American. But the way to you, it. the way you just broke it down right now, and even how his branding permeates the culture, nothing basic about that. I think there's I think the sharpness that, in his yeah. branding. Is for me, Gordon Ramsay is coming off basic. Yeah, Bobby Flay is coming off basic. I think the f- he transcended, and the most unique thing Bobby Flay has added now to food is like Bobby's Burger Palace. He's like become a guy who can do a fast food restaurant. Hey. That, but that's but it's basic. Like try to describe. So I'll give it like just because he just because Guy Fieri is not basic doesn't mean like uh, I think you can respect his. If, if it's basic or not, he's, he's doing something so sharp but can cast a wide enough net that he's doing something no one else is doing. Yeah, and I think, you know, to me, that's great, and that's what Guy Fieri is. But here's why, overall, I think when you think of Guy Fieri, you think of basic. And it's not just about the food or the restaurants and all that. It's really about Triple D. To me, Triple D is basic because – you know, from that time, from my time as a kid watching that show, I've grown up, you know, expecting this is what food is like. And when you go and you go to all of these, you know, Mexican or to these Italian places or to these other things that Guy Fieri goes and shoots on his show, mm-hmm. not all the time are you getting the authentic cultural experience. A lot of time you're getting that more Americanized, that more basic version. But that's also the version that Americans have come to know. What do you mean love. by not getting the? What do you mean by them getting an American? I don't American know, man. I've seen an episode where they made some uh, uh, 
authentic as fuck tamales. I've seen episodes like that too, but I've also seen episodes where they go and because there's room for everything, man. Yeah, there's a lane for everything. Everybody can shoot their shot with Guy Fieri. What? Well, yeah, that, and, and I think he create through Diners Dive, Diner Triple D through Triple D. Uh, he showed that there are diners in other cultures. There are there's a diner culture within other cultures. It's not just an American thing, and if not, it's a translatable thing to other cultures. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know what we may consider a diner in other countries, it might be considered something slightly different. But they understand the aroma and atmosphere of a comfortable diner in other cultures and if you maybe don't have that you hearken that you've saw it somewhere in the american lexicon over the past hundred years um through cinema through the happy days and you just know like that oh that's what a diner feels like but it's now no longer just a ruby's diner it's not white and red and 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 benches and and uh girls on roller skates bringing you your food it has now evolved into this comfortable American flames and, and affliction, shirts. affliction shirts. And that's that's more comfortable. So he's translated that comfort into something that other brands are tapping into. Like Carnival Cruise is it's and it's expense it's an expensive thing to add a restaurant to a fleet of ships. Like hundreds hundreds, if not thousands, of ships at his restaurant. And you gotta understand uh, cruise culture it's a very international thing so cruise culture being so international you gotta you implement to your point basic things on a cruise regardless of what a cruise tells you they're giving you on the ship itself the basic versions of culture you go to the italian restaurant it's really good food i've been on carnival cruise ships princess cruise ships it's all really good above average food but they do have to understand that when you're on these ships with the international clientele they get, you might be tasting a culture's food for the first time and they have to be ready for that. The menu has to reflect like this might be this first time someone tries uh, this Alfredo or this pizza or this burger. So the fact that they want a brand the first time someone ever might try a American hamburger as Guy Fieri's hamburger is a huge leap of faith in his brand that an international icon like carnival cruise decides that's it we trust guy fieri's burger prowess they didn't fucking fuck with uh gordon ramsay no well well, that's actually they probably couldn't afford him (laughs) well actually that's basically kind of the point i was making too with triple d being kind of like this icon of basic you know to me it's that icon because it was, for me at the very least, and I'm sure for many people, the introduction to so many cuisines around the world. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a great thing, but it also was a very basic introduction. I became so enamored in food culture because of diners, drive-ins, and dives, and I have Guy Fieri to thank for that. Mm. But at I, the same I time, it was some, just... We're losing something in, in translation here. What is your definition of basic? To me, the definition of basic is... <laughs> yeah, always got to ask, comes to the definition of the slang he's using. <laughs> that. To me, what basic is, is, you know, something that everyone in America associates with a particular thing without going deeper. Mm. Shit. Is that accurate, Reach? 
No, that looks like he kind of flipped the script on me. Yeah, he, he used a big ass words. Yeah, I'm trying to process so right now. here's my example of what I would consider to be basic. If you look at the Starbucks basic, Starbucks is basic, right? Because because it's the front line for what you what what most people will consider coffee. It's the front line. It's not what yeah. coffee is or the culture it should be, but it's the front line. Here's some it. other examples. Okay, spaghetti and meatballs. That's basic. That's basic. As you know, I, as classic as it is, I'm it so is confused. the it is the front page of what you associate with Italian food. That's what I'm talking about. There's that disconnect. Lasagna, but what it, what it, pizza. See, I don't. Yeah, now Chicken now tikka I'm confused. Masala for gi- Indian food. Because okay, but like, what if Giada is Giada a good beacon of, of Italian food? Like, if Giada creates spaghetti and meatballs, is it automatically oh, basic? Hell yeah, I'd eat that. The spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> the dish. Okay. What? What? Okay. So, is pizza basic? Yes. Okay, but what if you go to uh, the best pizza restaurant in Italy? If you go to Pizzeria Napoletana, no. But if you go to Pizza Hut. Okay, but so but pizza then, but you can't give pizza can't be basic. I think a a very sharp a brand can be basic. Yeah. Okay. So in that point, right? Pizza Hut, basic. Sure. Panda Express, basic. Basic. Okay. Fair enough. See, I think we, we, we made some progress but there. But it's these, you know, it's <laughs> like... Chi- you can't say, like, chi- okay, Chinese food is basic. Like, that's, no. that's wrong. That's not, it's not basic. No, but American chi- Americanized Chinese. Mike, Mike, what you got? You got something to say? I do, but I'm not going to hear it. Mike, just I'll scream I'll repeat it. it. I'll repeat it. I, I feel like all of you guys are wrong. Oh, we, Mike. says we okay. are all wrong. Okay, Mike, what you got? Mike from our video team says we are wrong. basic describes the type of person. He said... Okay, so let me let me piggyback on Mike. Mike is saying that's that people up. people are basic, but that's why people piggyback on it. But so, are you saying if, um, uh, let's say I'm a coffee connoisseur, right? But I decide to go to Starbucks, I can potentially have a non-basic experience at Starbucks because Starbucks itself isn't basic; it's the person. But I could be like a a, a bit, let's say, a quote-unquote bimbo, and I just go into Starbucks and I order. A caramel frappuccino because that's like a. She Snapchats it and, and says, I Snapchat it. Now I'm basic. I'm basic. Oh, okay. Mike just hit hit a nice coin. Someone who doesn't go deep. This true. I wasn't on that train. So I think. Ba- I think you know we're so in a goddamn flower kept so Coachella is basic. Mike Mike is giving some good some good knowledge. Uh, he's basically saying that basic is a person who doesn't go beyond or deeper on on a particular food or thing or anything or a trend. The so unwoke. The the unwoke. So you could just be a basic person who is is just a surface level skimmer of whatever you do. So Mike, so let me let me ask go ahead. Mike. Let me ask you this. If a TV show does that to cultural food, is that TV show basic? Why don't you just come over on this side? Is that possible? <laughs> come over here, Mike. Because at least we can catch catch you on the mic. This is this is gonna get real. This is gonna get real because we're trying to get now into the definition of basic because we use it <laughs> so liberally. I so stand by my definition. I know. I I already knew what I was talking about. So I think in that sense, though, I would say that. Guy Fieri, Gordon Ramsay, Bobby Flay, all of them are basic. Well, wait, 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 wait. Why, why would Gordon Ramsay or Bobby Flay be basic, though? Because it's in the same way that, like, 
like they're i guess they are not basic but what they represent to certain types of people is basic and that's the type of person who without going deeper into something goes to a starbucks and assumes that the epitome of coffee the same way that you turn on tv and those are the same people that cycle through every food network show but i don't think sitting around and watching bobby flay gordon ramsay and guy fieri on repeat throughout every cooking show on the food network makes you someone who knows anything about food true so yeah i agree with that like i was you know mentioning earlier with triple d when you don't you know if you just looked at triple d as your introduction to all these ethnic cuisines that you get to experience on the show things like cuban which i didn't know about until triple d it's still a very you know basic ideal of what those cuisines are and you associate you know different cuisines with those specific foods see that's the thing is like i was just referring to it as like the slang version of basic like basic as fuck basic bitch you were going with the literal version yeah i was going with more literal so like for me so you're too you're too because you are way way too intelligent for slang <laughs> you, are, you are way too intelligent to be using slang because yeah we were we were on slightly different pages but i i feel maybe we can agree on basic is not going deep enough ba- yeah basic is the person sure. basic basic yeah. is the potential person so gordon ramsay gordon mm-hmm. ramsay is not basic because if you consider him as a body of uh, his body of work in comparison to other chefs you can define and break down gordon ramsay he's he's loud he's crude he's funny he's smart intelligent a good entrepreneur that's quite literally the opposite of a basic person Um, but someone who potentially watches the food network doesn't necessarily have to be basic but if that is their surface level surface level if they don't go any if they don't try maybe maybe you watch food network all day but you never try to cook you're a basic cook then you're not a basic person because maybe you don't give a shit about cooking and that's fine food network is satiation on a purely entertainment level but basic uh, the definition of basic is lies within the person potentially not going deeper so like, on whatever the topic. If you is. watch Triple D and you know that's your first exposure to a cuisine, but you don't go deeper and look like, you know, this is what you know is the essence or what really gets into mm-hmm. Thai food, Cuban food, all these other ones. You know, for me, that's how I became so enamored in food. Is I didn't allow myself to be basic by just assuming that was the definition. I've spent you know, sometimes months going deep into single cuisines and understanding them and even trying to, you know, recreate some of the dishes that you would never expect to find in other places at home to see, you know, how close I could get. So let's say you're basic. (laughs) Let's say someone is basic. Can they recover from their basicness? Is basicness a... You can, right? All you have to do is, you know, spend more than like, you know five minutes going up and reading about something actually something interesting tying back into some of the stuff we were talking about earlier you know in the modern age of the internet and technology and stuff something that president obama and people like sam castle bringing up in their keynote at seeds and chips is that in the modern age of the internet you may have two to five minutes max to get your message across and people are now more interested you know in watching a video 
You got 30 seconds to get your point across. 30 seconds, Costa. 30 seconds. Lost me. We're talking. You said Obama's planting seeds. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, just kidding. I get you. <laughs> yeah, so like you don't have very much time now because you know someone who's basic is just going to you know look at that you know 30, 45 second video that someone puts up and is like, dog. Like I just said in one word, knowledge is the yeah. antithesis to basicness. So you gotta go. You gotta go deep. You gotta go read the articles that people post up to correspond with the videos. Look at the resources that they link to within mm -hmm. that go super deep in on this. That's how you cure yourself of that basicness. Is you don't just look and you say, this is Caribbean cuisine. Climate change exists. Climate change doesn't exist. You go in, you look at the research, you go look at the articles, you know, people like journalists from us at Food Beast to people at the Washington Post and New York Times and even places like, you know, some of the more crazy areas, they go and do they go and do research. They go and look at these things and they, you know, they put time into giving you this message. But it's your job to go past the 30 to 45 second video and look deeper. And that's what you should do. What is year is it right now, dog? What, yeah, well, oh, I don't know where I lost myself. <laughs> like, in, like in general? I don't no, know like where I went. Kosa was talking and he said, and to, uh, to summarize it up, just learn some more, man. Yeah, just keep learning. Yeah, just keep learning. Or how about stop Snapchatting your Starbucks drink saying workflow and stop going to Coachella with some goddamn crown flowers and shit like that. That's how you'd be unbasic. See, I do, I, do we have to stand up for basic people, though? Just because what if you like crown flowers? I feel like crown flowers are basically people They're showing silence. off. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. We'll all just silent. If you wear crown flowers, you're just basically showing off that you don't have allergies. That you're like you're stunting on the people with allergies. That's what it is. Sure, stunt on. Me. I don't even know how we got on this tangent. We were talking about Guy Fieri being. Costa was believing that he was basic. It was okay for. So okay, now that we have a good definition of basic, Guy Fieri is, is not, not basic. But, correct. But, watching diners drives and dives, and you know just going, you know I'd say Guy Fieri himself is not basic. But when okay, you, there, there, that's it. Boom. Boom. Guy Fieri is not basic. But watching Guy Fieri. I said there, that's it. <laughs> same, context, same context that Mike gave it. where he was Watching saying, only Guy Fieri is basic. Yes. Like if, okay, you, you go or Guy Fieri being your, your sole American restaurant. Yeah, you're going to throw Mike's name. He's going to come back on the mic now. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think of the four of us, absolutely I know the least about food. I know uh -huh. like nothing about food, and you know who I do know. Guy Fieri, Gordon Ramsay, and Bobby Flay. Boom. So, I but mean, but see, I'm I pretty basic when it comes to that kind of thing. Sure. So you admit to being a basic foodie. Yeah. Which is what makes you a great Gordon foodie Ramsay, videographer, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like I like to I like to look at things from an outsider's perspective. Well, that's why I wanted to get McNuggets with you earlier for lunch. Yeah, because McDonald's is my favorite food. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty. I wanted to get basic? Nuggets earlier, basic. and I only hit him up. Cause I knew. Yeah. <laughs> is liking I'm McNuggets, McNuggets bacon fan. basic? It's not basic because no. if you understand there are nuggets and you have a general understanding that there is also really good chicken out there. Yeah, it's and like good is relative. Like you like it, Mike. I'm assuming because it's comfortable. It tastes good. Fucking dunk it in ranch and chicken and and, and barbecue. Mike's like, yeah, yeah, yeah the ranch, bro. <laughs> smother myself in the yeah, ranch I too, mean, which isn't basic, Mike. If you want to smother yourself in ranch. While you eat nuggets, like can I watch? 
Whatever you do on your Saturdays is your time, bro. <laughs> um, Tight. I'll bring the nuggets. But uh, so, yeah, I, I guess you could. But I, Mike is not a basic person. He has like roots and principles and, and, and he likes I, he likes things that aren't necessarily that. But food, maybe he's basic. He's a basic foodie. Yeah. You could be a basic coffee in, drinker. In summary, to wrap it up. Yep. Guy Fieri is not basic. Guy Fieri is not basic. He is the new America. Thank you for saving this great country. The gold of Flavortown. <laughs> Thank you for Flavortown. Thank you for everything you do for American cuisine. Thank you, Guy Fieri. Thank you for teaching me about cultures and inspiring me to go deeper. Ooh, okay, guys. This, is, uh, this has been the catch-up. This was Reach. Hi. Everyone's favorite and least favorite Food Beast writer all in one, Costa. And I've been Eli. Thank you guys again so much for listening. If you guys uh, can share this podcast with your friends, maybe they can find out if they're basic. Um, share it with the basic friend. Nah, do yourself a favor. Go listen to Barack Obama's speech after you <laughs> listen to this podcast. Oh, bro, Costa. <laughs> I was on a roll with a good ending, and you had to hit them with Yo, the snooze hey, button. Hey, you always got to have a bad ending <laughs> to catch you up. Yeah, yeah there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Consistent with the shitty ending. Yeah, 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 yeah. If this is your first uh, episode of the catch-up, make sure you listen to all the others because they're all equally interesting with equally shitty endings. Thank you to Costa for keeping our consistency level at an all-time high. Bang, bang. Um, you can follow us at Food Beast on everything and tweet at us about this show. We're curious uh, what you guys think is basic, um, what you guys think of Guy Fieri. He definitely is the new America. So if you guys disagree, I dare you. I dare you to talk about it on Twitter. Yeah, tell, us, tell us if you agree with us. I'm Broke College Cook. Oh, tell me if you agree with, with me. Plug. Hit me okay. with the tag. Yeah, hit, hit me hit with him. the tag. Hit him with College Cook. Hit him with the at. Um, Yo, hit, hit him with your yeah. Tinder profile too. Come on. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Swipe right if you agree. All right. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye, y'all. Uh, Later. <laughs>